man. Watch out, Doc. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Do you have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We're here to help. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olsen, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. to talk about here tonight, and we are joined by none other than Dr. Dan Cushman, how are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, you hanging in there? Yeah. Uh, you and I were talking bears a little bit earlier, and <laughs> and I could tell the the frustration of the season has been similar for you as it has been for me. Similar, yes. Yeah, exactly. Because you, uh, let's see, you were there uh, with your residency uh-huh. at Northwestern. Yeah. So what uh, what was that like up there on campus? So we we were in uh, like downtown Chicago, and it was it was a great four years. Cold, uh-huh. but great four years. Okay, yeah. so I'll be there. Uh, what? Saturday. Yeah. Trying to think. Uh, I love Valari. Don't know if you've been there. No, I don't okay. know that one. Great, great restaurant. Oh. Um, uh, okay, so pizza-wise, what were you? Were you more Lou Malnati's? Were you Giordano's? <laughs> so my wife grew up in Northburg right out there, and okay. she, our wedding, we had Lou Malnati's. Okay. But That's a true Chicago wedding. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think I, if I said anything else, I wouldn't be here anymore. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. It does yeah. get that serious. Uh, my mom actually uh, will do the stuff where you fly them in. Uh-huh. You can have yeah. them brought into yeah. town. Yeah. A Super Bowl party. Uh, a bunch of, if it's a big event, uh, the deep dish pizza is out there. So exactly. no doubt about that. Well, thanks so much for being with us here tonight. So many different things to get to um, here this evening. And don't forget, uh, you, the listener, you could be a part of this. Give us a call, 855-340-ZONE. That is 855-340-ZONE. You get free medical advice right here. So when you go in and you try to get information and all of that, that can cost money. Well, tonight, it's free. Absolutely free. And uh, you get it from as good a person to give you this medical advice as anybody out there. And that is Dr. Dan Cushman. Um, you also so involved in, in different stuff because University of Utah Health, um, medical provider there for the uh, Utah Jazz, and then also Salt Lake Bees. I mean, you guys are all over the place, man. Different uh, sports, different athletes, all of that. What's this time of year like for you? So this time of year is actually pretty busy. I take care of a couple of teams for the U, the the swimmers, the divers, the track and cross-country teams, and um, I just want to put a a plug-in for the cross-country team who's had their best uh, season ever so far, and they're just doing an awesome, awesome time. They're actually going to have their... um, their regional championship is going to be this um, Friday the fifteenth okay. um, here at the here at uh, Rose Park. So they're going to have probably the best uh, the best runners in the West Coast out there, and so I'll be there in case they get hurt. Hopefully they don't, but uh, they're doing awesome. How okay? So working with different teams. Yeah. So I do like the MC work with the Jazz and the Bees and all that, and and grew up a fan of both teams anyway. But do you? How connected do you come to the athletes, to the teams? Because now you get to really see every detail behind the scenes the way you do. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I hope they never have to see me. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> if they're <laughs> if they're injured, they're seeing me. Um, but you know, like little things come up here and there, and so we take care of them when we can. But uh, they've got just an amazing staff there, especially the athletic trainers, their coaches. They do such a good job keeping them in shape that hopefully they don't have to see me too much. Oh, that's definitely uh, the case. All right, so you work a lot in endurance sports. Yeah. I've been curious about this. In all of your years being around endurance sports, what has changed the most 
in those sports in, in your mind, especially with the technologies that we have and uh, the, the different methods that go into trying to be successful at these things? I think there's two big changes I've seen. One's better, one is worse. The better is that um, when you're at that elite level, they've really gotten a lot better at kind of figuring out how much to push people, how much to not. When you're down at the high school level, they push people too much a lot of the time, and people are getting more and more into just doing one sport when they're, you know, 10 years old and just sticking with that sport. And the more we look into it, the more we think you should do a lot of sports and just have fun. And then once you start getting into later in high school, that's when people start really excelling and getting into college and stuff like that. Okay, so you, because uh, I hear the different versions of it. Yeah. And it seems like more and more that does become the popular opinion. Play yeah. more sports. Yes. Well, and and I think the other big thing is, as corny as it sounds, is having fun. So I can't tell you how many kids I've seen who are 14 and are burnt out on a sport already. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. They should be having fun. And so if you can still have fun, not get injured early on, then you're going to have fun when you're old. Well, because that burnout you're talking about, uh, we talk about it usually from the mental side, but that can contribute also to the physical side and lead to more injury, right? Over I mean, and over and over again, yeah. Really? Just yeah. is it more overuse injury? Is it? Yeah, like an example is in baseball. Like these kids are pitching too young, pitching too many throws, that kind of thing, and and then their elbows. Tommy John surgeries used to be a, a, a you know twenty five, thirty five year old pitcher. Now it's a fourteen year old, fifteen year old pitchers are even getting those. Really? Yeah. Tommy John at fifteen. Tommy John. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so Tommy John actually was a minor league baseball coach, and people thought that Tommy John was the name of the doctor. <laughs> not, not the name. <laughs> they had no idea yeah. they, what that even was. But, okay, so one question I had about that, too, especially with baseball, the World Series wrapped up. What a series. Uh, oh, amazing. Uh, Nationals win four, four games to three. But there's so many different theories on whether or not a kid should throw – a curveball or different specialized types of pitches yeah. at a young, young age. I've heard it from scouts. I've heard so many different answers to it. But never do they say, you know, a doctor told me. You know, somebody <laughs> with actual knowledge about this told me. So if you're speaking to a coach of a young pitcher who's learning all these different things, what's your best advice involving that? So curveballs that to do tend to be harder on the elbow, <clears throat> and in particular that Tommy John kind of ligament that we we're talking about, the UCL. And, um, and, and it really does a lot of times boil down to two things. One is the amount of throws you do. So the more throws, pretty much everyone agrees, if you're throwing 200 pitches as an 8-year-old, that's too much, obviously. So the more you do, that's bad. But then also um, proper form really makes a big difference in making sure that your shoulder's strong for a lot of different ways. All right. Uh, tonight we're going to get into a number of different things. Make sure to give us a call, 855-340-ZONE. Give us a call and uh, be a part of the show. You can ask your questions, whatever it is that you have out there that you want to know about, uh, and uh, Dr. Cushman can walk you right through it. Um, board certified uh, in sports medicine and physical medicine rehabilitation, specializing in the care of musculoskeletal injuries uh, in both athletes and non-athletes. So knee pain. Mm-hmm. Knee pain's a big one. Let, let's actually just go away from the athlete here for a second. Mm-hmm. Just just people, you know, going through their day-to-day lives, work, things like that, having a family, all of that. What are the biggest causes that you tend to see from people just in regular everyday work? And uh, what, yeah, what are they caused by and what's the best treatment for them? Yeah, I think I think for all of us, you know, we go into sports medicine um, for two reasons. One is to, to work with athletes, but I think honestly more than anything, it's, it's the people like that who have just every day 
knee pain, shoulder pain, that kind of stuff. And, and that's probably the most all of us see, which is, um, you know, I feel like that's probably the most rewarding because they have a great chance of just getting back to normal. For knee pain, the number one cause is, is obesity by far. So people weighing too much, putting too much stress on the knees. And so I think if everybody in America lost 20 pounds, that alone would probably take away a lot of the knee pain. Um, so that's one of the things that we really kind of um, push on it. And it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Like, um, it's really hard for people to lose even five pounds for, for it. But, um, but I find doing that is probably the number one thing. And then the other thing is um, sometimes just genetics. Your knees, you know, if you're as you age, some people get arthritis earlier, some people don't. And so some people are lucky, some people aren't. And that's kind of the other thing that really plays into it. Yeah. See, for me, left foot. I don't know why. Yeah. Left foot pain. Not, nothing like it'll 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 happen after a really long day. Uh-huh. So I go into the locker room after the jazz games and doing the post game interviews, and I see the way the guys are wrapped up with the the ice on the knees yeah. and even on their feet and all that. So I go home <laughs> after jazz games, <laughs> and that's what I do. It's actually very helpful in all I of that. It, yeah. But when people talk about stretching being so important and then uh, weight loss, as you're talking about. I just look at athletes like this and I'm thinking, you know, I don't think you have to be a pro athlete to do this every day. Is is icing certain parts? Like, would that be recommended? Because that's something I've started doing. Yeah, in general, ice we think is kind of helps control pain. So it numbs the area. And then it helps diminish the blood flow to the area. So anything that's kind of inflamed, ice is good for is kind of how we view okay. it. Um, and so anytime that if you are doing something, you, your joint starts to hurt, ice usually is a good thing, yeah. It tends to work even better than pills for a lot of things, so I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of ice. Okay, uh, that's good. So it just is a part of routine. Stretch yeah. in the morning, ice there at night. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I do the same thing Rudy Gobert does every day. There you go, folks. All right, so we talked about the stuff off of the court or off of the field. Let's get to the things involving athletes, running, jogging, things like that. Um, the, the everyday activities such as lifting and kneeling, but the high-impact activities, jogging, aerobics, things like that. When you see all of the uh, the stress that comes with it, what's the usual first injury that would come along, or the first indicator that something like that could be happening? Uh, meaning, like when something bad's going yeah. on. Yeah, I, I find usually there's two things. One is if you if you start running, it gets better, you're good to go. It's usually okay. If it starts getting much worse after a run, or really starts getting worse during a run, that's the kind the time you really should probably get it checked out. You know, with um, Kawhi Leonard, mm-hmm. they're talking about this load management, and it, it feels like everybody's on one side or the other with this, right? Like, hey, this is the new NBA, it's his body, he'll do what he wants. Yeah. Then you have the other side of, well, this guy would have never done it, and when I played, I wouldn't have done this. And back in the day, and I, and I think, okay, I think there's some value to both. There is. But at the end of the day, it's got to be an individualized thing. When you look at an NBA schedule the way it is, 82 games and all of that, mm-hmm. are you more of kind of with the new school of this thing that recovery has to be taken as seriously as even all the other aspects that go into being a pro athlete? It is totally a tough question. And, it, and there's, there's, there is. It's like a, a spectrum as to where you, where you go on that. 
and being on the medical side, our side is more conservative because, like, if people played one game a season, they're not going to get injured. <laughs> so, so it's much yeah. easier if we're yeah, the if best we're way to that. stay yeah. healthy here. Exactly. Yeah. Just play the final game. Um, so, in in all seriousness, like, it's better on the medical side, but at the same time, like, you got to win games, you got to play the sport. You can't do that. So mm-hmm. that's the balance. And I think on the medical side, we tend to be the ones who are like, let's hold you back. Well, the coaches are going to be the ones pushing you forward, and I think there's going to be a happy medium in there. Yeah. yeah. Well, see, I think the hardest part for uh, in working in sports and entertainment is you, you've got trainer, you've got coach, and you have athlete involved sometimes in the decision as to whether or not to play. Mm-hmm. And so where I think it's very difficult, and I've seen this so many times in, in pro sports, where it's can he play, and the answer is yes – and then the one thing I always throw out is, okay, what about effectiveness? That's yeah. the other part to this, or major risk for future injuries. So Robert Griffin III, mm-hmm. who had his whole yeah. entire career, I thought, altered based exactly. on that. Do you, as a trainer, ever try to say, okay, this athlete can play, but the effectiveness is going to be greatly diminished? Or do you just say, oh, yeah. okay. All the time, actually. Okay. Yeah, that comes into play all the time. It's like, you can play. Um, you may get hurt again. You may not. You know, we can make a judgment on that but it's more of you're going to be at 90 percent, or you know estimating you're definitely not going to be at all at where you want to be why even bother or you're going to be close to where you want to be you might not be at 100 percent. it's worth trying okay yeah that so and, and i bet coaches love that because they also want to know impact yeah and, you know and the player too the player's like well if i'm going to just you know, concussion is that perfect example. If I'm going to get another concussion here and it's going to put me out the rest of my life, it's not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and so for the medical side of things, if it's going to be career ending and there's a risk of that, we tend to be, say, don't even bother. But at the same time, the coach may be like, you know, this is our one chance. Let's do it. Um, there, it's, always, it's always a tough call. All right, so in thinking of that with athletes, so it's good that a coach knows that they can trust that evaluation from you, mm-hmm. player to make that decision as well. Um, that's what makes you guys the best. Uh, that's a critical part of what you do. And so don't forget, right there at University of Utah Health, uh, you can make sure that you and your family are taken care of as well, whether uh, you're still involved in sports or at the recreational level, or if you may be in more of an advanced league, things like that. Uh, make sure to check in with University of Utah Health. They have everything that you need from your uh, for your family. No matter what the age is, they go with personalized special care. Um, and then also inquire about other things, not just uh, if it's involving injury, but something along the lines of just basic uh, care for your entire family to uh, uh, prevent injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of those things are so critical. And you guys have been so big on that. Uh, preventive measures when it comes to any sort of injury, whether you're dealing with somebody at retirement age or even if you're dealing with a young athlete, right? For sure. And, and you know, actually, one of our our new, uh, um, they're starting a new clinic with um, Dr. English, who's a fantastic doc. And she is looking at um, people who need kind of lifestyle changes. So people, you know, we talked about obesity, for example, and people who need to lose some weight. It's very easy for a person to walk in and a doc say, you need to lose weight. But how do you do it? And how do you go about it and changing your nutrition, changing your exercise program, all that stuff. Um, so that's one of the big things we're going to be starting to push more is more of the preventative stuff Good. and try and help people not only get better, but hopefully not get injured in the first place. All right, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. Steven is with us. Steven, thanks for your patience, man. You're on Doc Talk. Hi, yeah. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, so about a year ago, um, I, I'm in my early 30s. I decided that 
I wanted to try to get back to being able to dunk again, mm-hmm. which was maybe an aggressive goal. But um, I started doing a bunch of strength training and plyometrics and stuff. And um, about six months in, I started developing what I think is some tendonitis above my kneecap, uh-huh. below my quad. Yep. And uh, landed awkwardly, awkwardly after a dunk at one point and uh, kind of felt really weird on it and rested for a little bit, but, but it's always kind of been bugging me. I can't really jump at full strength anymore without, you know, without pain. Um, it's slowly going away. I've been trying to look up different ways to rehab it and stuff. And it's just not quite getting to 100% like I'd like it to. How long has that been? I don't know if there's... It's probably been... It's probably been maybe four, five, six months. Huh. So, you know, at that point, the when you're talking about your kneecap and right above it, that tendon that goes up to your quad, that's called the quadriceps tendon. And it combines all your quadriceps uh-huh. muscles to that patella so that when you straighten your knee and do all the jumping and, um, you know, kind of uh, explosive movements, um, it, you know, maintains a lot of that load. So it, it's possible that you might have torn part of that, um, ju- judging by that sound of like, you know, you came down from from a dunk and when you landed you felt it um that's possible that uh-huh. happened um other times you can just get basically kind of a wear and tear of that tendon that um needs some rehab for it in general what i usually tell people is um either get um an ultrasound where you um, throw an ultrasound probe on that tendon and that shows it really well um or if if the provider isn't able to they could always get an mri but mris are usually a lot more expensive for it um and that oftentimes can give you the answer yeah, it's, it feels pretty good now, um, and but it's it's not a hundred percent. So I mean, I guess that yeah, I mean that might make a little bit more sense because I haven't. One of the things that I wasn't sure of is I kept trying to get back in and and doing stuff, and it was never super painful, but it was always nagging. Yeah, it's it, um, it's very possible that you tore a part of it, and that oftentimes can give you some weakness, even if it's not too painful. Um, depending on the type uh-huh. of tear, some of the time you, uh, um, you, you'll you get it fully back. You just need to do the right rehab. If it's a really bad tear, which I doubt it is, um, usually it's kind of hard to even walk when you get a really bad tear. Um, that sometimes requires yeah, a surgery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not that bad. Well, all right. Um, would it would it also have an impact on my shins? Like, I can't jump off one leg anymore without really bad shin pain. Um, it would just make me wonder if you're if you're overusing those muscles because of it. It's hard to say. Um, it, yeah. that would be my my thought, but it's hard to say without seeing it. Okay. Well, Steve. Right, well, thank you. Yeah, Stephen. Thanks so much for calling in tonight, man. Uh, 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. Get the advice like Stephen got, whether it's your shoulder, whether it's your knee, whatever it is. Um, If you need any advice, we have Dr. Cushman, who's right here uh, to help you. Knee problems, shoulder problems, uh, one of the common, um, I I guess, uh, one of the common things that um, makes it an issue for a knee or shoulder is arthritis. Mm -hmm. It's one of those. How much of that goes into the genetics you were talking about before? I think a lot of it does. Um, arthritis is when it's osteoarthritis is the common one where you kind of wear down the cartilage. 
and that happens to pretty much everyone with age. Um, the question of how much it wears down is related to both, like we were talking about weight, but also the genetics of it. Some people are lucky. Their parents never had a problem with arthritis. <laughs> Some people, their parents had arthritis at the age of 40. And it, you know. And then the other big thing is if you injured it in the past, so let's say you tore your ACL, you're much more likely to get arthritis in that joint because of the injury, okay. too. Okay, before any injury ever happened, when you're talking about kind of a family history with mm-hmm. arthritis, that's something you want to know about, right? I mean, if that runs in your family. Is there anything you can do to be preventive with that at an earlier age to see to it that you at least prolong that or possibly even avoid it altogether? Only The only things that really have been proven are staying in shape, and that means good weight like we talked about, but also being active. So if you stay active on your knees, for example, if you're talking knees versus people who don't and are couch potatoes, even if they weigh the same amount, people who are active, their cartilage is much healthier. Okay. So the the basics, eating right, um, maintaining good weight, staying active, exercising regularly, those help the most. And then um, probably, you know, doing resistance exercises as well. He's Dr. Cushman. He's here to answer your questions. He's with University of Utah Health. You are listening to Doc Talk here tonight. Make sure to go on for orthopedics to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org or for the general hospital, go to uofuhealth.org. Make sure to give us a call, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE to have questions like Stephen did here with Dr. Cushman. It's Doc Talk on the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to Doc Talk, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. We're back. Doc Talk, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We're with Dr. Cushman here tonight. Don't forget, visit sportsmed.uofuhealth.org or call 801-587-2222. And uh, uofuhealth.org is the place to go as well, or healthcare.utah.edu, to take a look at all the different uh, things and services that are there for your entire family, from women's health to brain and nerves um, to behavioral and mental health, back, neck, and spine. You name it, they've got it. And you can even go ahead and search a specific doctor, specific specialty, whatever it is that you need, they have it specialized for you as an individual and to help take care of your entire family. Uh, We've been talking a lot about um, knee problems, shoulder problems. Those have uh, kind of been the things we talked about. One of the biggest things you pointed out, got to stay in a good quality basic shape. Mm -hmm. I mean, in a way, when people come visit you to talk about something like that, they have to be relieved to know that there's a simple answer to this, yeah, but not always easily executed exactly. is what it sounds like. Exactly. So do you have to get into very specific things about um, how to accomplish that? Because to me, like that weight loss thing, and I've, I've, uh, I'm not in any way like massively overweight, but, but I've tried to like trim down 10, 15 pounds over the last year. It's a major lifestyle change, yeah. man. Yeah. And, and I'm going to Chicago this weekend, so I'm really, I really have no chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, and I, and I feel like I mean, it, you know, you look at what's easy and what's hard, and and it, it's it's hard to do. It's really hard to like maintain that and get in a habit for it, and then you know, especially if you got kids, you got 
family. Like it's hard to balance all that. So, um, you know, people who say, oh, just quickly lose that 10 pounds. It's not so easy. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, a lot of times we do get into specifics, but it's very individualized. Like some people, some people have four free hours in the day. Other people have 20 minutes. That's all they can, can, uh, dedicate to it. So you do what you can. All right. Uh, when it comes to stuff like knee problems, I have never heard of this radio nuclide bone scan. Mm -hmm. What is that? (laughs) <laughs> so a bone scan is um, they basically we basically inject something into your vein that gets into your blood system and then depending on the kind of scan this particular one goes to um, it goes to parts of bone that are being metabolically active okay. so for example if you have um, certain kinds of arthritis if you have a stress fracture if you have those kind of things that part of the of the bone lights up on the scan because that the the stuff in their blood that they put in now all goes to that area and you can pick it up on a special camera okay so it's great that those technologies all available. Um, when you end up having, uh, well, uh, anybody who has um, kind of uh, different methods to diagnose a knee problem, what are the biggest treatments that you see as most effective for uh, knee issues? Whether um, it's athletes or just everyday people? I would say nine times out of ten it's physical therapy. Okay. I mean, that's the most common thing by far. Um, we do injections. Um, for some things, sometimes that cures things. Most of the time it doesn't. There are many surgeries depending on the issue. Those generally do tend to cure the problem as well. Um, it's, it's, there are just so many different parts of the knee. It seems like a simple joint, but it's, it can be so complicated in parts. And so um, each individual problem can have a very different treatment. He's Dr. Cushman. Give him a call tonight with any of your questions. We've had uh, callers earlier tonight with different questions about different issues, whether it's knee, whether it's shoulder. Uh, any other advice you'll need, it's free here tonight. So give us a call, 855-340-ZONE. That's 855-340-ZONE. Do you watch sports differently than all of us? I mean, you're just like watching it like somebody's down there on the ground. You're like, oh, that's an ACL. Oh, I think that's a grade two. Yeah, that's you, when I hit like, rewind, like yeah, when they yeah. get injured. Yeah. You've got the DVR. Like, yeah, your DVR has the little highlighted spots yeah, on, the... on trainers coming on the field. You're like, hey, I know that guy. That guy was at Bradley for like three years. Like, yeah, you probably have like a, a fantasy that team. That does you happen, know. believe it or not, actually. Yeah, like when you watch the Utes game, you're like, hey, I, I know that guy. Yeah. Dr. Dave Petron. Exactly. All the time. (laughs) As you know, clearly we we hate it when the trainer has to come on. For sure. But you probably see like down to the tiniest things on the way they're walking on the foot or or the way they're just small body language or any detail of the trainer. You probably pick up on that stuff real easy. I would say it comes in, you do notice it a lot more. Like, especially like quarterback goes down, gets a little hard to come back, and you're like, well, the way he's holding his shoulder, or he looks a little dazed, like those kind of things, you can pretty much say, yeah, he's going to be out the rest of the game, or <laughs> um, no, he'll be fine. See, they need, um, and they'll never do this, but like how they have a, a rules person uh-huh. with referees and stuff like that, some former official will be like, yeah, that's that's definitely not reviewable, or they, they need like somebody like you up there as they're watching a player come off the field, and you could be like, that looks like that's an AC joint separation. <laughs> and the reason why is if you look at the way he talks his shoulder <laughs> like this, like just to break the whole thing down, and they're like, yeah, he, not only is he not coming back tonight, he's probably out six weeks. Because the fan wants to know that it's stuff true. right then and there. <laughs> They'll never do that because of course. It, it's pretty irresponsible, actually. But, but uh, 
that would be amazing for the fan. Have you heard of spotters? Uh, so there, there are um, there are there are certain positions for a lot of football games. Um, they do it a lot in college and pro, where there's there's somebody who's watching the entire thing from above and really looking for that stuff. Hey, just so you know, there's a guy back there. He took a bad hit. We gotta watch him. That kind of stuff. Huh. So they actually there are they're kind of proactive, especially in college, making sure that people are are healthy and not not being uh, kind of lost. Okay. Yeah. 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. Zach is joining us right now on the Zone phone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Zach, you are on Doc Talk. Thanks, guys. Hey, I, I have a question. I, I have, I've had uh, three meniscus surgeries in the last 12 months, Ooh. and um, now I'm at a point where I still don't feel at all like it's taking, and what is the real time span where I should really start feeling to myself, you know, it, it, it should for sure be better now, or it should, it should have the good result of being athletic again, or at least in some fashion like that again. What happened? I don't have it. What happened to your knee the first time? Uh, well, well, it was, it was sutured back together on them. So it wasn't a, a one trauma thing. I'd had it for quite some time. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid twenties. So I I had felt problems that popped all the time for quite a few years. And then on my first surgery, it was surgery. It was sewed back together. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yep. And then the second time, you know, maybe four or five months later, it was um, cut. And then the third time cut a little more. And then also, Plex, is that the, what the stuff is in there? Pex, Pex, Plex. He took some of that out of the knee area as well on the third one. And that was about four months ago. Um, so uh, you don't have to say who the um, the particular surgeon was in this case, but a lot of times if you've had a few surgeries and it's not getting better, it wouldn't make me wonder if it's... First, first two was with one, okay. and the third one was with a, another. Good. I was going to say it, it, it would be worth getting a second opinion, so it sounds like you did that. Um, you know, with it, it, it's really hard to say without without seeing, like, imaging for it, a new MRI, that kind of thing. Um and you know the problem with menis- uh, meniscus menisci is that they can have um, they can have tears in them for a lot of people that aren't really necessarily causing the problem. Um, I just can't say for you if if that is the issue or not. Um, I find most of the surgeons in the valley are, are very good, um, and they tend to well, do it. For what the right time reasons. frame? I guess is is my question. What time frame should I really be saying? Hey, by now, you should feel strong. You should feel. That's being unfortunately, it's hard to say um, just because it's, it's very individual. And so some of the time, you know, if you have a meniscus surgery and it's a slam dunk, you're feeling better and you're back to, to normal in a few months. Um, but if it's if it's a more complicated one with other things going on, it can take several months to really get back to normal. Yeah. Well, I'm still young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zach, thank you so much, man. We appreciate the call and thank you for joining us here on Doc Talk tonight. Uh, best of luck to you going forward. Um, interesting when you're just talking about you know meniscus surgeries and things like that. One thing I was thinking about just when people have a sprained or strained knee ligament, we hear that and think, okay, well it's not torn, uh-huh. right? But when it comes to that, how often are those treated or protected uh, the way that they should be by? Uh, competitive athletes and and what is your best advice to see to it 
that they do follow through the way they need to to, to yeah. get back out and be 100%. So the majority, if they if somebody says, I have a knee sprain, what they're usually talking about is what's called the MCL, which is on the inside of the mm-hmm. knee. And that one... Um, has a it's a spectrum, so you can have a grade one, grade two, grade three, and um, so if it's a very mild one, they tend to do great. You really don't have to do too much, maybe yeah, a little therapy. Yeah, you yeah. can play on them exactly. If they get to the point where they're more advanced, occasionally they need surgery, but a lot of times there's just collateral damage. If you are, do something so severe that you completely tear that that MCL in, in two, you're probably hurting other structures too. So that's the thing is even if a sprain is technically an injury to a ligament, and it could okay. be a total tear. It could be just the mildest little stretch, that kind of thing. So um, if somebody says I have a knee sprain, that means either one of two things. One, you've got an injury to that ligament, or two, and I don't mean this to to sound dumb, but a lot of times if you don't know what's going on, a lot of people call it a knee sprain. Um, And so, you know, a lot of times they'll go to an urgent care and they'll say, oh, yeah, you have a knee sprain, but that just means they're not sure what it is, is all it is. Uh, I had teammates that would have an issue with tendonitis mm-hmm. right i never had that i never nothing in the knees always felt fine but i'd have teammates it's like wait we just played the exact same amount and and they would have to even sit out yeah. or it would bother them a lot more is something like that involving uh um genetics as well and uh, are there different types of athletes that can uh, based on body structure and stuff that could be more susceptible to definitely that? yeah and so there, there's definitely a genetic component to that too but i think also the way you move so for some people um if you overload that tendon a lot more so for example if you use your quads too much and your your glutes not enough that sort of thing that tends to overload the tendons a lot more and make them more likely to get a tendonitis okay all right when we come back we'll have final thoughts here today with doc talk and you have your last chance to call in 855-340-ZONE 855-340-ZONE we're with dr cushman here with university utah health thanks so much for being with us here tonight on the zone sports network You're listening to Doc Talk, presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, you can be a part of the show. Make sure to call us, 855-340-ZONE. It's Doc Talk, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network, brought to you by University of Utah Health. And don't forget, for orthopedics, go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. And for injury clinic information, make sure to call 801-587-7109, Monday through Thursday, 4 to 8 p.m., Friday, noon to 6, and it is at the corner of Wakaraway and uh, Foothill Drive. Make sure to go there, and I tell you that... It's one thing to uh, be there to provide services for people that are injured. So much information that people can know uh, to help their family. We talked about you know preventive things and, and stuff like that. But even just the stuff um, uh, got some great information for a family member on uh, uh, like stroke information. They call it the strikeout stroke at the, uh, the Be Well Utah um, health fair that was put on. It was really wonderful, really well done. Um, but just great information, specialized people that know what they're talking about. And it's also cool, too, because if, if I walk in there, and you've probably experienced it on the show, sometimes I have questions where I'm like, I don't even know how to ask this question, but here we go. They're so good at helping mm-hmm. and just making it easy for you. And having you here tonight, Dr. Cushman, has definitely made that helpful as well. Good. So, yeah. But uh, make sure to head in there, get as much information as you can, and uh, take advantage of the great resources that are a part of that. Clark is trying to do so as well. He's called 855-340-ZONE. You should do the same. Clark, thanks so much for joining us, man. 
Hey, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to visit a minute. Um, I've got a meniscus issue about two or three years ago. Um, I was starting to feel some soreness, a little bit of swelling behind the knee. I went in and had it, and I don't remember if they did an MRI or a, an ultrasound or whatever they would have used to, to evaluate it, but they said that there was a tear in there, and the doctor was all ready to schedule surgery, and I was like, I don't know that I'm ready, and so I didn't do that, um, and um, and it's been, like I say, about three years now, and I'm, I'm pretty active, and I'm old, um, and... Uh, and I'm just wondering if if what I'm doing is going to ultimately make it worse or whether, you know, just let pain kind of be my guide. It rarely bothers me. Um, I run uh, marathons. I probably run two marathons on it. Um, I, I enjoy rock climbing um, and ski pretty hard. And so it it's been tested and it's not really changed any at all uh, in that two or three years. And I just was wondering if, if at some point I need to get it done regardless or kind of what the situation would be. What are your thoughts? When you say you're old, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 65. Um, I got great news for you then. Um, so honestly, if, if you look at um, MRIs of people who are 65, virtually everybody has a meniscus tear. It just happens. Um, I see it as kind of a scratch in the paint of your car. It doesn't look the same, but it's, ain't, it's not affecting how things work. Um, so to me, I wouldn't touch it. I would just keep doing what you're doing, stay active. That's going to serve you much better than doing any surgeries if it's not really bothering you. Okay. Is there anything that I should do to keep it healthy or, you know, keep it the way it is? Am I overstressing it, do you think? or uh, if, if you came into my office, I would tell you not to change a thing you're doing. So any, anybody who is in their 60s and doing that sort of stuff, keep it going. Okay. I, I guess what should I be careful of? I mean, if it changed and I started having a lot of pain, yeah. go have it looked at again or... Yeah, there's, there's two things. One is if it starts getting a lot more painful, um, that's that you should definitely do. Um, the second is that if it is uh, starting to lock on you or where you know you can't, it gets stuck, those kind of things where you can't unstick it, those that type of thing, that's when you should probably get it checked out. Um, they've done studies on people who are um, over, I want to say it was around 50 to 60, somewhere in that range, who have meniscus tears, and they put them into two groups. They said, half of you guys were going to do surgery, half of you guys were going to do the physical therapy. And the people who did physical therapy tend to do just as well as the people who did surgery. Mm. And then there was a small group of the people who did physical therapy who didn't do well. They ended up getting surgery later, and they did fine. So I tell people in your age group, if you've got meniscus problems and your symptoms get better, you're going to be just fine. Okay. Well, that's good to know. I've just had a little bit of a worry over the years, wondering if I was stressing it too much or whether I should be you know, being a little more cautious or taking better care of it or something. But, I, yeah, I just do, and I don't really stretch a lot. I don't do 
do a lot of the things I maybe should, but uh, it seems to be hanging in there. So No, I think you're actually doing the right things that we don't get enough patients like you, to be honest. So I would, um, I think you're doing all the, all the right stuff. And in terms of stretching, um, there's really never been any evidence that stretching helps any of that stuff. So we've kind of gotten off of, of telling people to stretch over these sort of things because it really doesn't seem to help. Okay. All right. Um, any exercises to strengthen it? I mean, or, or help it or, yeah, you know, weightlifting, you know, yeah, in general, weight, like weight, weightlifting is good for it. And then I think the best the best exercises for the knees in general tend to be exercises that focus on your glutes, um, really making sure that your hips are strong. That tends to um, support the knee the best. So, um, you know, properly performed um, exercises that focus on the glutes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the uh, information. You betcha. Thank you, Clark. We appreciate you joining us here tonight on uh, Doc Talk. You you were kind of alluding to the idea of a patient being coachable. Mm-hmm. How much do you have to coach patients about being coachable? Because <laughs> that question. has to be something you do, right? <laughs> so, yeah. No the, way. I'm not giving up the cupcakes, man. Yeah. No way. You know, it, in in a lot of a lot of what I do on a daily basis is we treat things with exercise. Okay. So, you know, we don't give people pills. We don't say, oh, let's just inject everything that moves. We basically say, this is how we want you to be active and we want you to move your body in this way. And there are a lot of people who just don't want to do that um, for many reasons. You know, if it hurts too much, I totally get it. And, but then some people, they, they just don't want to. Like, they just don't want to. And it's hard, hard to fix that. Um, to, to provide motivation for somebody is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, well, you have to be honest with them, mm-hmm. yet at the same time understand it is their decision, right? I mean, exactly, like, <laughs> exactly. Um, a couple other things. Last things I want to get to. We were talking some shoulder problems earlier. We talked about tendonitis. What is bursitis? I've, ne- I've heard of it. Uh, I have no idea what it is. So that's another one where um, it's, it's kind of a catch-all term for a lot of p- things. So some people say the outside of my hip hurts. That's a bursitis. But what a bursitis truly is is imagine two planes in your body. So for example, let's say you have a bone on the bottom and a muscle on top of it, Mm -hmm. and the muscle slides over the bone. The muscle isn't physically touching the bone. There's an interface between the two. That's a bursa. So um, one of my colleagues, um, she would always say, imagine two pieces of saran wrap with oil in between them, and you're sliding over it. That's a bursa. And when that gets really inflamed and filled up with fluid, that's a bursitis. Okay. There we go. That's nah. good to know. Instability uh-huh. in the shoulder. Instability is where um, normally the bo- you have a ball and socket. The ball is supposed to be pulled into the socket. Okay. It's supposed to be stable there. When the ball is moving around too much, and that can be for so many different reasons, that's instability, where okay. the ball is not properly seated. If you think about like a golf tee with a golf ball on it, imagine if that golf ball is not sitting on it properly and kind of moving around. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. See, whenever I hear this stuff, you know, I just say, okay, it ended with itis. That's not good. That's all I know. It's like, it's got to be painful, and he can't play today. That's all I know, you know. That's pretty accurate, though, all actually. Right. So, yeah. Well, good, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. Dr. Cushman, thanks so much for being with us here tonight. Uh, any other info you want to get out there for people here tonight uh, that they need to know uh, as you're uh, with us here this evening? Yeah, I would say um, cheer on the Utes. Um, that's number one. We've got a big game coming up for football, and then also, like I said, the cross-country team at Rose Park on the 15th. They're going to okay. be awesome. So hey, Having yeah. their best season like ever, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. And go see Dr. 
Cushman while you are there. He's the pride and joy of Illinois. <laughs> Bear down, Dr. Cushman. So great to have you on with us here tonight. Thanks to everybody who called in this evening as well. We appreciate you for joining us uh, on Doc Talk. Don't forget, go to sportsmed.uofuhealth.org. We'll be back every single Thursday right here to help answer your questions. Thank you so much to Brian behind the glass doing a great job as always. Thanks to you for listening. You've been listening to Doc Talk on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.